0: You know, surrounded by that worship, adoration, intercession, all of the above. So, all right, so I get chapter nine and, uh, sustainable transformation. Uh, So chapter 9 is the third paradigm that he draws attention to, and the paradigm is that labor is a premier expression of worship on earth, and every believer is a minister. So we need to remember that the reality that we live in is created by what we believe, and a paradigm uh okay the reality that we live in is created by what we believe and only when we believe what god believes are we really living in truth all other realities are incomplete and one day they'll vanish and we know in john 14 jesus says i am the way i am the true reality and i am paradigm is more a pattern of behavior that results from a way of thinking. So uh, it's a perception that takes all the sensory information in around us and it organizes it into a consistent pattern and then we act. So essentially what Ed is saying in this paradigm is that we need to think about our perceptions that are creating our patterns of behavior regarding our day-to-day life in our work and worship is the pattern of our behavior limited to the needs of the job daily or does our pattern of behavior extend into the realm of worship where we're moment-to-moment led by the Holy Spirit for father's kingdom expansion multiplication and increase so in truth really we're privileged to be alive at this point in time you know, for such a time as this, you know, at this very moment, God has transitioned us out of. He's transitioned His body out of the last church era, and I. Some people wouldn't like me to say that, but that is happening, and He's developing a new wine skin, and we're all key to see that wine skin developing in church is not within the walls everybody in this room understands that it's within us the people it's where the people are it's the ecclesia so billy graham said in the early 2000 that i believe that one of the next great moves of god is going to be through the believers in the marketplace so we know in the marketplace there's influence through relationships and finances but it's also a place affecting every area of public and community life. Jesus went to where the people were, and God is still interested in doing the same. So prophetically, we see on the horizon that God is beginning to pour out fresh wine of his Holy Spirit into the earth. Kelly, thank you for posting that post on that testimonies in the Chop Zone, and I enjoyed that. So, I think it was you that posted that, wow, what a great time that we can be pulling down every agreement that goes contrary to God's purposes right now. Seeing work as worship is important to this new wineskin being developed. So, I just decree right now in the name of Jesus that what has held us captive in this arena is coming loose now in Jesus' name. So many people view worship only as going to church on Sunday and singing songs of praise. And in chapter 9, Ed points out the short-sightedness of this view. He also points out that some people have gone beyond this and say, Well, I can go to work and I can trust that God is going to help me if I get in a conundrum. He's going to help me, give me an answer, or whatever. But few people realize that God is in the midst of their day, daily. Worship in the marketplace has to do with us knowing that he is both with us and his presence is all-encompassing all of our daily encounters. And while at the same time, we remain in a posture of worship, which I would present to you includes a staying humble. We're not on our turf, we're on his turf, and we're to be submitted to his will. B, are we in now faith? You know, Hebrews 11 five says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that worship him must believe or have faith that he exists and he will reward them. And then three, we have to be obedient, which is faith in action. Faith without works is dead. So in reality, really, our whole life should an example of worship unto the Lord you know but uh, Ed is just trying to make a um, uh, example here of where man's tradition has hindered the progress of God in establishing his kingdom we've resisted God in this way of thinking so in Genesis 2 15 we have the first mention and of course first mention is always important in the word But we have the first mention in the Bible of work And that is the word avid or avad probably avod, can be translated as both work and worship And that is um, the scripture, Genesis 2:15, says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. So the word keep is Avad. And that means to work, to serve, or to worship. And this, of course, was prior to the fall. So this was before the curse. So work was not a punishment on Adam for sin. It was part of God's original design. So the word for work here literally is to cultivate the garden and to worship the Lord, obeying his direction. So God put Adam in the garden to develop it. He was to take the raw materials that God made and to develop them for God's glory. And God was directing. He was always directing regarding the situations on earth, you know. He was releasing divine instructions. He was given the power, the favor, the ability. He was given the anointing to Adam to deal with these things. And all God's instructions were about earth and they were about the things of earth. So God said what he created was... You know, so he's very creative, we see that all around us every day, but I believe that he wanted to partner with man to create something even more beautiful than what he created. He was finished with what he had done, and now it was time to partner with man. And he wanted to partner with his family to do the rest, to work his creative work through his people. God wanted to partner with us to think, to choose, to plan. To evaluate, to execute. Is it possible that God was going to partner with man to make something even better than the raw materials that he created? Interesting thought. We'll see that maybe on the other side. But let's just think for a minute about work and worship that God ordained in the garden. In Genesis 2-7, it said the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth. In Genesis 2:9, it says, "In out of the ground, the Lord God made everything grow, every tree." And then in Genesis 2:19, out of what did He form the beast of the field and the fowl of the air? He formed it out of the ground. Yeah. I didn't remember that when I was looking at this. It's like he formed it out of the ground. Interesting that God created all things from the ground, okay? So dirt, earth, ground, land, it's really important to God, right? And talks about in this chapter that God's direction is always focused on the issues of the earth. It's not focused on heaven. It's not focused on the enemy. It's focused on the issues of the earth. So, God's concerns today is still regarding the issues of the earth. So, why, what does that all have to do with work and worship? Well, the people were made from the dust and all the living creatures that were to take dominion over and the produce of the earth that should be multiplied and Restored at this point. So, God uses us in our businesses in a lot of ways beyond the paycheck. You know, we're motivated by love. He helps us to grow. We work on as a training ground, like He audits us at work. I know that my work has been a place where God really has audited my character. It's been painful at times because it's a place of pressure. You know, so you can. what's not like Him. He prepares us in secret at work. He makes us uncompromising overcomers who will do the will of the Father. You know, He teaches us how to operate in His grace. He demonstrates moral distinctiveness through us, and we're displayed as salt and light. And these are all wonderful things that God does with us, but he also wants us to be focused on others. And this is major, and this is the worship key, okay? So now we are still to be focused on dirt or earth, okay? So I'm not saying people are dirt, but guess what? We are to listen to what God into their destinies as kings and priests. And we know in Proverbs 22, 29, it says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. I wonder if it's because we're calling kings into their place. Okay? So, So what are some ways in which we're focusing on the earth or the people around us? You know, God will use us as prophets. He'll use us to heal, deliver. He'll use us to name people what he's named them. He'll use us to give people new identities. Holy Spirit works through us in in ways that we can point out things in people's lives that nobody else would have known. You know, God can use us to give up people supernatural encounters so they recognize God is in their midst. We create awareness to people that he has them on his mind at that moment. They may hear a word of hope that God gives to them. We break impossibilities out of the minds of people. Like, this is my day at work. I'm adjusting people, but this is my day at work. You know, we, uh, we confront lies and we remind people that their past doesn't disqualify them from receiving God's mercy or forgiveness. We destroy the works of the devil. We help others recover what's been lost or stolen. We open doors of provision and favor. We function as midwives birthing the purposes and plans of God in the lives of those around us. We may have a song. We may have a decree. We may have a prayer. We can be used by God for power encounters and just for people to know that the God of all the earth has him on his mind and wants to touch them, whether they're saved or unsaved, it brings them to tears. If it's Holy Spirit led, you know, God will lead us into places that we sometimes could say, oh no, this may not go good, but... It hinges on intimacy with Him and it goes great. Wow. You know, this is all our reasonable service of worship. Yeah. So, in our day to day work worship, we listen to the Father to hear how He'll use us and we go into the enemy's camp and we take back what was stolen from Him. Yeah. And business is a God-given vocation. It's no wonder that it's a strength in the U.S. economy because God looks for something worthwhile to bless. It is a vital part of God's kingdom plan. So, you know, God goes on in Genesis to instruct his people to bring the fruit of their labor, the animals, the produce, the crops, all the things from the ground, and offer them really what we should be doing with our days. We should be bringing the fruit of our labor and offering them before, you know, the Lord. You know, so we worship when we present our work to God. So we partner with God to get the best return and to understand how to creatively multiply what he has put us in charge of. So our work in this light corresponds with Romans 12 1 2 and this is of course written after the fall and God says true worship expresses submission to him so the scripture says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice holy and well pleasing to God which is your rational, logical, and intelligent act of worship. That's the Amplify. Then it goes on to say, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Bam. That's the key. We we allow God to transform us, and then we can be used by God to recover and strengthen our brethren. You know, so it becomes obvious that God continued that part of his plan after the fall. He wants to continue to have a relationship with us that we rely on him to work with him to be guided daily, to be endued with his anointing, and given the power to change the stuff made of the ground, and that is people. So, uh, we partner with God in our daily work and we're freeing his creation and God is always directing. So further along in that same chapter in Romans chapter 12, it goes on to say, because you know that's the chapter that we present our bodies and it's our, our complete bodies and that's our reasonable form of worship. But like a little further down in that chapter it says, That we may show forth what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So remember that's progressive development. And I can't help but wonder what that perfect would have looked like in the garden. Right? Because he said it was good. about the church. It talks about one body with many members. It talks about all the different ways that God is working through his body. And then it talks about not being slothful in business. Imagine that. Just a few verses down. It talks about overcoming evil with good. It sounds like all these topics begin With presenting our bodies during our day, which is our reasonable source of worship. Okay, so maybe before original sin, this was happening by walking in fellowship with God in the garden, but now things have changed, but God still has a plan to extend his first plan. So instead of walking with us in the manner of the garden, Jesus bridged the gap and gave us Holy Spirit to speak to us the things that Jesus would be speaking, who's speaking the things that the Father would want, right? We know that in the Word. So Romans 12 makes it obvious that worship doesn't just refer to Sunday service, you know? Our bodies have 168 hours every week to do what they want. So if we were in church, let's say five hours a week, that's less than two and a half percent. You know, if a person spends 40 hours a week, that's 10 times more at work. So that kind of makes labor as worship more reasonably included in that Romans 12 mandate. So New Testament worship is an ongoing attitude in action that says, I am on this planet to bring praise, honor, and glory to God, I'm here to worship him in the way that I think, act, say, and do, and people should be wondering, what is it about you that makes you so different, you know, why are you having a two thumbs up day? knew exactly where I was going, but anyway, uh, so we can add another scripture to this dialogue that supports work as worship or worship as work or the two as one, Uh, and that is Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work heartily for the Lord rather than for men, so sowing is worship. And daily we are sowing as we work. When we follow Jesus, we think about our lives the way Jesus demonstrated that he thought about his. You know? So he he his life was an offering to serve others. So ours should be the same. We should have joy, we should forgive, we should love justice, we should show mercy, we should have integrity, we should have morals, we should operate in excellence with just scales. We look at business not just from a standpoint of profit, but how can we bless other people? So we consider doing our work unto the Lord and we have to consider his opinion and we have to take his daily in what his daily revelation is to do our job, you know? We work for a higher authority than a boss if we work under one, and the father pays the best wages, and he gives much greater rewards than our salaries. So don't be discouraged at well-doing. Gives us our daily guidance so we just have to open our ears and we have to hear what the Spirit is saying yes. and with this kind of attitude we begin then to reclaim back what Jesus paid the ultimate price for and we partner with him and I love what Ed says in the next chapter which somebody's going to talk about about God's Hail Mary plan I love that about you know the death of Christ was God's hail Mary plan, and um, it, it, it's because of that we have the foundation to legitimately cutting back. All Jesus paid for to get rid of squatters off of our land and other people's lands, and to legislate the removing of all illegal issues that confront us and others. So we work with this in our in our lives daily, and this is worship. This is the business of our business or our employment we may be employers or we may be employees either way god has a plan to cultivate the garden he's placed us in he had a plan to use he has a plan to use each of us to reclaim for his kingdom what jesus paid for so Ed gives us a couple of wonderful examples here. He gives us Barbara, the intercessor and the judge. She worked in the midst of this atheistic political system, yet she led co-workers to Christ. She got them baptized. She pulled out down a legal altar. She repaired the altar of the Lord. She, we, she experienced a spiritual atmosphere change change in, in a unrighteous place. Because she did it in the place she had the authority in, right, in her courtroom. It was her place of jurisdiction. She prayed for every case that came before her. She uh, she had intercessors praying for her, and she saw God turn you know almost impossible situations around to bring justice in the place of unrighteousness and injustice. And then we're also given a view into Dr. Chen's office dealings where he read ed's book and and he began to see his medical practices you know more of a ministry rather than a vocation in medicine and he taught his patients the precepts of god and saw situations turn in their lives he del- he delivered tough spiritual messages such as you gotta repent to save lives in the natural and then spiritual and he really experienced god's multiplication and increase on his efforts so god calls each of us to do the same we're to care for the garden he placed us in our gardens our families our work in our cities and our our territory and our nation you know in addition to work being a place to exercise our individual callings God uses uh, businesses to impact communities, and he desires that society benefits from healthy businesses. So our understanding of labor and worship is critical. It's a ministry to God. It's a sweet savor to him. It's an expression of praise to him. We all need to see our vocation as integral to God's
1: restoration project, we restore people,
0: we restore cities, as we listen to the Holy Spirit's directive, and and we are obedient to the creative ways that He shows us to deal with things, and we see His kingdom come, and His will be done on earth and we will always then be aware that labor is the premier premier expression of worship on earth and every believer is a minister